This podcast is intended for mature audiences ages 18 and over. The podcast represents the opinions of me and my guests, and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only, so please consult your healthcare professional for any medical or mental health questions. We discuss topics of sex, sexuality, and relationship dynamics associated with ethical non-monogamy. Not your cup of tea? No worries. There are tons of other podcasts to choose from. Piqued your interest? Awesome. Welcome to Swing On By. Welcome to episode two of Swing On By. So last episode, we shared the story of our first recurring guest host, Nico. And this episode, it is my turn. I have to say that sharing my story was fun, vulnerable, and really freeing. Since I'm not out yet to everyone in my life, being able to share so much of my journey via this podcast is really special to me. As you'll hear on the episode, my husband and I have been E&M and more specifically social swingers for a bit under two years as of the time of this recording. So we are still evolving and figuring out exactly what we want this to look like and what we want to make of this. And I, for one thing, believe that this journey, not necessarily the destination, is one of the most beautiful parts of all of this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you think of any questions you'd like me to answer on a future episode, send me an email at podcast at swingonby.com. That's podcast at swingonby.com. Here we go. We are back for episode two, and Nico is actually going to interview me today. Last episode, you got to meet Nico a little bit and hear his story a little bit. And today it's my turn. So, Nico, take it away. Yeah. So uh, I got my coffee ready and everything. Uh, you pull up a chair. It's not going to be an interrogation, I swear. Okay. What we're going to do is uh, you've already recorded an introduction episode. Uh, I haven't heard that. So my first question is, is there any additional info about yourself that you would like to provide to the podcast listeners? Yeah. Um, honestly, in the intro episode, I kept it short and it was more about the podcast and less about me. So I haven't really shared much about me or my story. So feel free to ask anything, first of all. Um, Yeah. But I think one of the big things is I, unlike you, who has been in the lifestyle for quite a while now, um, I have only been in for maybe about almost a year uh, or two years, rather. Sorry. October will be two years. And yeah, kind of definitely fell into it. I think we'll talk about that a little bit later, but definitely yes, fell <laughs> fell into it and have been enjoying myself. But I think I still have not a super newbie perspective, but I definitely have the perspective of somebody who is newer to this and still exploring and still looking for exactly what it is I want and my husband and I want within, you know, ethical non-monogamy. And, you know, uh, I think... You're, you're probably past that like six month where basically just stumbling into things, yes. going crazy, <laughs> uh, a part of the lifestyle. I mean, and, and it's not just like with the lifestyle, it's sexuality in general. You, you're like, oh, I'm bi. I'm going to go party. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, that that kind of realization tends to, to drive uh, a lot of those decisions. Uh, but tell me a little bit about like your dynamic with your partner. Like, um, one of the things that I'm I'm interested in because I've, I've run into a few couples who kind of buck the trend when it comes to this, but um, who like drives most of the engagement with the community? Is it you or your husband? 
Yes. So if I ever introduce the podcast to my husband, he will be the one, he will say that I was the one who had the idea in the first place and who just ran with it, which is kind of true, but is not exactly true. So he and I talked about threesomes for forever. And we, uh, like with a female, and we almost like went full force into it, did a couple profiles on a couple different places and got some traction very, very quickly, which scared the heck out of me. So I was like, full stop, no, <laughs> like, let's shut it down. Like people who wanted to meet like that night. And I was like, I just got here, you know? Um, yeah. Who are you? Yeah. And... Who are you? Uh, yeah. yeah. This is too much. So we totally turned everything off and my husband thought it was just like, okay, this is a definite no. Like the door is closed. And okay. I am a person who will be thinking about things and like evaluating them, sorting through them, coming to my own conclusions in my head. Normally, like while I'm taking a shower every day, I'd be thinking about this. And then one day it was just like, I think I'm ready. And so I started listening to podcasts, like went all in um, and came out the other side about a week later and was like, hey, we're going to this party. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like sign us up for a party, everything. So I will say that I'm probably the one who I'm definitely, uh, he is more the break. I am more the gas. Yeah. But when it comes to like actually engaging on, you know, different platforms and everything, he's usually the one that does a better job of checking them than I am. So normally he'll set up the first date or he'll reach out to people that sort of thing. And then he'll always, of course, clue me in on it and let me know what's going on. And then if it seems like it might be a good fit, I'll hop in and you know add to the conversation or join the conversation. But it it's kind of an interesting dynamic because I'm definitely more the guest, but he is more the initiator of conversations. Yeah. I mean, my wife's kind of the same way, except you know, I'm the one who initiates and then she wants to meet the people that I engage with. And then mm -hmm. she'll just be like, Oh yeah, keep meeting these people and like pushing me to go. See yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, so it's 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 interesting because I've started meeting more couples. Uh, I guess newer couples who are are more like sharing the role mm -hmm. and, and figuring out who is the best at what, and then working together to to join the lifestyle and engage yeah. with the lifestyle. Which I and, really like yeah. because when when it's just the guy who is part of the conversation and the woman's not there, my spidey senses start going up, especially if they're yeah. like, if they are talking about themselves as a couple, but I never see them engage as a couple. Um, because number one, then I start questioning, like, are they actually a couple? Cause we've had that a couple of times where, yeah. you know, a guy has pretended to be a couple and thought like we wouldn't notice eventually. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what his next like plan of action when he was the only one, you know, would be the only one showing up at the restaurant, like what well, he expected. Yeah. That, that leads into my next question. Like, uh -huh. um, you know, when it comes to swinging your profile, do you put pictures of both your, both of you up or, you know, I see a lot of the times, uh, um, just the woman is is shown for a couple, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, especially from my perspective, right? Because I want to know who what both of them look like, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's very much the community as a whole uh, seems to emphasize like uh, putting the woman first. And if you finally get into uh, like their their more personal images, they're sharing it with you and stuff like that. Then you might get a look at the guy. One couple that uh, the, the couple that I'm mentoring, what really got me to actually like reply to their 
uh, profile in the first place because they just had a picture of them standing side by side, forward facing, back facing, fully clothed. Interesting. <laughs> they were like, and, yeah, and like they were like, here's very, what we look like. Yeah, this is what we look like. We know this is a meat market um, at, to, to start out with. If you want to engage with us, good. Like, yeah, you know, like being productive about it. But for me, that was like a breath of fresh air. So it really uh, is. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to hear like your take on that. Like when it comes to, you know, your profile and stuff, is it a, a shared cu- couple's profile? Like you're both in the, the initial picture and maybe switch off or like, how do you do that? Yeah. So we definitely, so a few places we have individual profiles that are like linked, you know, how you can do do that on a few different um, platforms. So we have that going on, but even with our individual profiles, we still have pictures of us together because we're very honest in terms of the fact that like our relationship, our marriage is the primary focus. And we're not looking for anybody to change that dynamic for us. We're looking for potentially people to add to that dynamic, but not change it. And so we we want to be very clear that number one, we're in this together, even when we do date separately, like we're still going to have conversations about the people that we're dating, those sorts of things. And so we feel like having pictures of the both of us and being clear about that sets the expectation from the beginning of we are a committed to each other couple. And then like what you were saying in terms of people only emphasizing the woman and having tons of pictures of her. That's another red flag for me when it comes to it, because I'm the same way. Like, and I have to remind my husband of this sometime, like by equals, I enjoy both. Right. So, so I want to see as much uh, as I am into women. I also want to see the guy to make sure that there's some sort of physical attraction there as well. Um, And so, yeah, it's important for me that I see both. Yeah. And it's, it's always surprising to me because I've run into a few situations where the guy's not unattractive. So I, it's just like really bizarre to me, especially right. when they're approaching a, a by male that he's not the focus, but then, mm-hmm. you know, from this conversation, it tends to be that, Oh, this is just what we saw other people doing. So we followed that. Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it goes back to just how we, look at women and how we, you know, focus on the physical of women so often in all mediums in art and in porn and, you know, in, in so yeah. many places that that is just the understood standard. Whereas I think that that's kind of one of the things that I want to see change in terms of it, in terms of it being like, well, you know, men are attractive too. And like, they can not necessarily take the lead, but be really be intentionally part of this in terms of the thing that, is the attraction part too. Yeah. And I I have an alternative take to that as well. A lot of times I hear their message traffic decreases. Mm. So they, they don't like seeing that. So they put more pictures of her up Mm -hmm. because then that keeps the message traffic coming. And as somebody who would prefer just higher quality message traffic, as opposed to volume, Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, you know, I, have like, okay, well, why is that so important to you? Yeah. Well, we might miss somebody. And it's like, well, I I think it's a bit of FOMO, right? Where, (laughs) you know, fear of missing out on on that one person that comes through. And, uh, you know, I I definitely feel that as well. Um, Because, you know, it is like, oh, there's that one person who got on, probably like, uh, did some stuff with some people. And then we're just like, this is not for me because I didn't find somebody who matches me. And then right. I feel like, oh no, I missed out on 
that opportunity or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it's very much for me, I, I, I will admit I'm addicted to just checking profiles mm-hmm. just for the sake of checking profiles. I may not get a message, <laughs> but I'll just be like, <laughs> I just need to see if anyone's messaged me. So I, I definitely relate to that as well. Yeah. Where, you know, it, it's, it's kind of that social, social thing that's going on with all these platforms and everything. You just kind of get addicted to checking the inbox, right? You really do. And, and I would under, I do understand how it can feel unbalanced between mm-hmm. the guy and the woman in, in the relationship with the number of messages, because so it's interesting around where we live, I get basically no traction <laughs> like at all. But yeah. then anytime I travel, I get kind of a ton of like inquiries and and reaches, you know, people reaching out to me, which is interesting in and of itself. But we were away um, a couple weekends ago and I ended up with like 30 people reaching out. And my husband was with me for that trip and he ended up with zero. He was like, well, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, I don't know that it's anything that's wrong with you specifically. Yeah. And I think it's also one of those things where, and I see this when traveling, when at, when at home, uh, women are less inclined to constantly be on those sites. And Definitely. I think the experience mm-hmm. is not great for them, which is why, you know, uh, you, you're talking about your husband, he does the initial chats and stuff like that. That's why I was doing the initial chats when I was swinging with my girlfriends and, and later my wife is because it just, it's just too much to deal with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've uh, been, I think because of the clarity of our profile and the fact that like, we have now excluded single men from most of our pro like being able to see most of our profiles and most of the the sites and everything, just because we were getting so much of exactly what our profile said we did not want. (laughs) So um, we've kind of made it very clear and very intentional. So it's definitely cut down on that, but yeah, it's easier if my husband is the one to kind of take the lead. And then if green lights are happening, then I'll join the conversation. Yeah. So you, you said that you've been talking to your husband about a threesome for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, When did you come out to your husband as bisexual? I think it was kind of gradual. I feel like maybe he's definitely known longer than I have known. And it's, it's one of those things where I thought like, I think as a woman, because, you know, we, we idolize women's bodies. We just think like, oh yeah, like everyone looks at a woman's boobs the way that I do you know, or something, yeah. something like that. And then you realize like, oh, straight women don't, don't do this. Like I, it, it was really that much of like an eye-opening realization for me. And so I think it just started with us having conversations about like, oh, she's hot. She's cute. You know, she's got a nice body and everything like that. And then slowly realizing that it was more than just me like complimenting or like noticing a woman. It was deeper than that for me. So I think actually the first person that I came out to where that I had this realization was like my former um, assistant in my business. And I said to her, well, she actually came out to me first as bi. Mm. And I said to her, I was like, think I might be bi too. And she's like, oh, you definitely are. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that because you you start to get that intuition on it. And uh, like the the regular couple I'm with, I think I knew they were bi 15 years before they realized that they were bi. (laughs) And it's like, 
they were like, oh, you know, we, we struggled with this for a long time. I'm like, how, how is that possible? But right. Uh, but I, I think, think it's, yeah, it's sometimes easier for other people to see it in you than yeah. for you to see it, you know, Bec- and I think it's because you think that everybody else has the same thoughts or feelings as you do. And you realize mm-hmm. like, oh, like, yes, it's normal for a bisexual person, but it's not necessarily normal for like, you know, heteronormative people to be feeling the same things that I am like. And that was, that was the thing that clicked with me when my assistant was like, straight women don't enjoy going to strip clubs as much as you do. <laughs> well, I was going to say like uh, uh, someone closer to me uh, came out as, as bi and she, she realized that um, someone had told her, well, straight women get advice uh, like bi women admire. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's yes. kind of the difference. Yeah. That is the difference. Yeah. I never yeah. thought about it that way, but that's definitely the difference in that. Um, and then it kind of, then once I, noticed and realized, then I started having conversations with my husband about like, I think this is a little bit more than just the sexual attraction as well. You know, I think this, this goes deeper. And I think when we first started, I was kind of afraid of admitting that in terms of wanting, not just like a three-way, not just the sexual, but also kind of wanting the relationship piece to it. Mm -hmm. So that has been an ongoing conversation about like, how much of a relationship do I want? Because when we first started in the lifestyle, we were only dating together. We, you know, we were only meeting couples together. There was nothing that was separate. And that's kind of evolved for us over the last, I would say probably year. Um, we kind of opened that in the last year, but it's definitely a big part of it has come out of my desire to have a deeper relationship with a woman. Um, and yeah, it's just been an evolution. Yeah. And I, we've had conversations about this um, off the podcast, but I think it also goes to like, where, where does that line get drawn? And I, mm-hmm. I'm struggling with that as well, where I like dating. Dating's great mm-hmm. and getting to know people and, you know, having them, you know, meet my, my family and all this other stuff, like they're going through that experience. But I think, you know, they're still going to end up down on the total pole because my priority is my wife and my kids mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, you know, so I don't necessarily fit within the polity community and, but I'm like, but there's a relationship there, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where's that line drawn? And I think that's, that's kind of what we're both after. <laughs> I think so too. And I have a couple friends who call it swally or lolly, like hmm. lifestyle poly or swinger poly, you know, in terms of it. And I think that that's kind of, the dynamic that I've been looking for for the last year in terms of this person, you know, my girlfriend would still be really important to me, but yeah. there is, there always would need to be the understanding that, yeah, there is, I, I know that in the poly community, they talk a lot about couples privilege, right? And that being yeah. a negative, I don't necessarily know that it would be a negative, but it would be understood that, you know, my marriage does come first and, I am going to have to have conversations with my husband about like our relationship. And the three of us would have conversations about how, how that, you know, dynamic works and everything, but I haven't figured it out completely yet, honestly. Yeah. And and that's where I think, you know, uh, my agreement with my wife that it's strictly with, with couples or people who are coupled and that way they have their person that mm-hmm. is their primary. And I have my person who's their primary and, you know, that just fits the dynamic a little bit better. Yeah. That makes um, sense. But, but it's so hard to 
find people to match every. It is. Like, all I, the, I don't check think all I'm the being, boxes. <laughs> like picky about who I'm looking for, but uh, you know, there's a lot of other social constructs that are in the way as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but here, here's a genuine question um, about you know, because I, I had conversations about this with several people, but I don't think I've just straight up asked this question. When it comes to the swinger community, especially, I get contact about like straight guys who are trying to set something up on the side or or something else like that. And, or there's people who have bi profiles and especially with guys, bi does not exactly describe who they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're more hetero flexible where they have specific sexual tastes in men, but that's as far as it goes. Right. right? You know, and, and so I don't think I've actually asked uh, somebody, uh, a, a bi woman who's been a swinger for a little while. Do you run into that where, you know, you've run into women who just, like you're looking for more like a, a, a relationship right. kind of situation where they're just looking for specific sexual desires yes. to be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have run into that. And I am a person who likes straightforward, like straightforward. Yeah. I know what the rules are. I know what the, you know, the guidelines are kind of thing. And so I've actually on a couple of my profiles said, like, I am only looking for women who a hundred percent know that they're bisexual. Like, I don't want to be your human sexuality experiment in this, you know, your uh, bi-curious or bi-flexible or any of those yeah. things, because I just feel like I tense up in, in the relationship or, you know, when we're playing, like, and I'm not exactly sure where the rules are and I don't w- ever want to cross a boundary of, of somebody's. Um, and so I think it's easier for me to know like, okay, she is a hundred percent bisexual and okay with me doing, you know, everything with her within limits, of course, whereas yeah. with heteroflexible or bi-curious, I've found that a lot of times it's like, well, you can touch my boob, but like, you know, like yeah. that's it kind of thing. And that feels very limiting, very frustrating. I have to, I can't immerse myself in the situation because I'm constantly like checking in with like, okay, I want to make sure that like I'm respecting her boundaries. Yeah. So, so yeah, that it's become a no, if the woman is not clearly listed as bisexual, if there it's anything else. Um, because I, I even asked in a membership that I'm a part of, what's that term? It's uh bi-situational, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, in what situations are you bi? Like, I don't know. It feels so, it feels so like questioning, you know, in terms yeah. of it that I don't understand the rules. And so I'm not even going to go into the playground, basically. Well, by situational also, and we should probably do a, an episode on this, but, you know, the by cycle mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I, I have sworn that, you know, I've dated bisexual women who are like only interested in women some of the time, but when they are, mm-hmm. they're like really interested in women. Yeah. And then, uh, so it's really hard, especially as the guy trying to set things up for them, uh, to match that cycle correctly. And especially if they don't understand that that's, what's kind of happening. Like mm-hmm. I, once I understood my own bicycle, right. Where most, almost all the time I'm attracted to both, but then sometimes I'm super straight. Sometimes I'm super gay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it really stinks when a situation comes up when I'm on the opposite 
Right. <laughs> of that cycle that of the other person. Like, yeah. Can you wait a day or two? It doesn't last very long and then I'll be right with you. Uh, but like it tends to happen. So I can understand somebody who's like, I'm bi-situational, but again, it's like, like you've said, you don't want to go in without them knowing. That's why I think people who, once they engage, like say, here's, here's exactly what's going on. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you can't put everything in a profile and just spell it out are much more appealing to me than people who kind of trickle feed you that information over time. Right. And, and I've talked to many different couples and, you know, that comes up all the time where they step over a bound that they didn't know that they weren't supposed to step on mm-hmm. uh, just because like uh, they didn't know there's just so many rules associated with it. Yeah. That they just didn't know. And I, I, you know, it kind of contradicts what I was saying, where people who just give me the the legal document of all the things that they can and can't do. But usually those people are like specific. Okay. Uh, no backdoor play with mm-hmm. her, blah, 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 blah. Like those specific things that are crossing the line. It's like, okay, understood. Not going to do anything like that. We're going to stick to the basics or, or stick to something very specific. That's great. But those are not the people I think who have that kind of friends with benefits or uh, long, longer term relationship kind of, you know, situations with you. They're, they're looking for those quick, fast meet meetups. Exactly. When they move on. So I, I struggle with that too. There's, especially in the swinger community, they want fast and quick. And then in the poly community, they want more in-depth relationships And then we're kind of sitting in the middle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I consider, or we consider ourselves now social swingers, which I think kind of helps better define what we're looking for. Like we are definitely not the couple that anybody should reach out to when they're in town for a night and they're looking to just like fuck anybody who will say yes to them basically. Right. We're not going to be those people. We're the people that want to have dinner with you or go out and have drinks want a friendship, want to be able to invite you over and know that like sometimes it ends up in the bedroom and sometimes it just ends up a night of us playing Yahtzee and like having a really great time and laughing together. So I think that explaining it as that has been helpful and has helped us find our people more often because we have found that there is a very distinct line between the down to fuck swinger community and the swinger community that that is more social swingers and kind of leans more towards that relational side, not necessarily Mm. all the way poly, but really wants to build those strong, at least friendship relationships in terms of cultivating a, a relationship that will last more than one or two nights. Yeah. And I mean, just it it's always better after the first meetup. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I I I but I understand those people who they don't want to complicate the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So they want to just get specific things checked off their list at very specific times, or that's just the way that they want to do things. Right. And that's fine. So we're not talking down to anyone listening who's <laughs> all in on that. I have plenty of friends who are. Uh, it's just not for me. And, right. and I think that's that's the thing is and and that goes to what I said in the last episode where you know people need to accept you know rejection a little bit better where you know you're just gonna run into people who don't just don't match exactly what you want. And mm-hmm. there's plenty of people out there to to work with. So 
keep looking, keep working on it. Definitely. <laughs> and it takes time. Like it does. Take I a lot still, it takes so much time. I still am looking for a girlfriend. <laughs> it's been like a year now that I've been like purposefully looking and I'm like, where are women? Like, where are they? <laughs> so it takes time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, we, we've danced around this topic for a, a, like this whole conversation at this point, but uh, when when we talk about like your boundaries and what you want and how you talk with your husband, like how do you define uh, in ENM the ethics for both of you when it comes to interaction? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, does he have the same restrictions on him as you do, vice versa? Like, or do you guys let yourselves have a bit more agency with what you do? Um, separately or yeah. with each other. So this has been a topic of conversation for us for a while. And probably like when we've had our biggest moments of conflict in the lifestyle, which haven't been mm-hmm. many, but when we've had those moments of tension or conflict, it's been around this um, mostly because, so we have things that we consider like rules versus boundaries, right? Like yeah. rules would be things that we will always have in place in terms of one of us gets tested every three months, those sorts of things. Like we, we don't take one for the team We're if, if it's a couple, we're always making that decision together, those sorts of things. Um, Whereas boundaries are things that have evolved over time for us. When we first started, we were same room, no swap with couples. And so that has definitely like evolved over time. Um, At this point, we are still a soft swap couple. And that is, kind of my husband. Well, I was going to say kind of, that is definitely like him more than me in terms of him still being hesitant with how he is going to feel with seeing me with another man. So, and, and, and not necessarily like, and completely like, you know, full swap with another man. So we've been taking it slowly in that regard and kind of inching our way towards that over time, because I want to make sure that like he feels comfortable and he feels safe and loved and valued in our relationship as we're making these decisions as well. But when it comes to kind of our dynamics in terms of playing separately, currently I only date women separately. We date couples together, of course, but I only date women separately. And then he is... um, well, I consider him a sensual dom. And so he has that dynamic, a couple, he's dated a couple women in that dynamic um, in person, but most of that has been online for him. So he's got a couple people that he plays with consistently online in that dynamic, but it's been really interesting to kind of see how it's shifted for us. And I think that the thing that I love about all of this is that it's given both of us a space to be able to try things and be fully ourselves in ways that like either one of us or the other didn't understand. Like I'm not really into the dom sub relationship or relationship dynamic at all. And that's Mm -hmm. something that's always been really important to him. So us entering the world of ENM allowed him to explore that in a way that he doesn't have to feel ashamed of or embarrassed of, or, you know, that he's hurting me in any way. And the same with, you know, he can never be a woman. So the same with him. Um, being able to give me that space to explore something that is important to me. So definitely, I think our dynamic changes depending on whether we're with a couple or whether, you know, we're dating single people or, you know, dating separately, that sort of thing. And it's definitely involved over time as well. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, and I, I could appreciate that. Um, you know, that's definitely one of the main draws for why I'm allowed to do what I do. Mm-hmm. My wife, you know, is okay with it. There's certain things that are just things that she can't provide. Yeah. And, you know, she's okay with that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always great. Um, and I think, you know, I originally had a question for you about this, but do you feel like the experiences that you had actually are bringing you guys closer together or is it, um, uh, you know, a lot of people, especially if you go on Reddit, <laughs> there's a whole lot of it tearing people apart. Yeah. So I, I would assume that it's the, the first, but, um, do you guys feel even closer? Uh, uh, has it improved your guys' relationship in subtle ways or, you know, in, in, or in more dramatic ways over time? It's definitely improved and brought us closer together. And I think the communication and the honesty is, mm. and the aut- authenticity is, are the things that have brought us closer together. Um, this is a second marriage for both of us. And when we came into our relationship, one of the things that we've always prioritized was authenticity and being honest and not lying about like what we want or need. Because I think that when people do that is when it kind of becomes like this ticking time bomb, right? Because if you yeah. have an unmet need for whatever length of time, eventually it's going to blow up in some way, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's going to come to the surface in, in some way. And so for us to be able to be like, you know, for me to be able to be like, you know, I really enjoy being with women or, and I really enjoy like the variety of just being with other people in general. And for him to be able to say like, you know, this is a, an aspect of me and the dynamic. And I really enjoy this power dynamic. And for me to say, you know, like, this isn't my thing, but I appreciate and accept that about you and want you to explore that, like that level of communication of being able to be that open and honest is something that so many marriages definitely my first marriage and definitely his first marriage were missing and being able to have that in a deep, real way there. It's just, it's impossible to describe, but so really amazing and really cool when it happens. Yeah. I, I find, you know, I've talked about like those masks, right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, when you start dating somebody, uh, you know, it takes with women, it just seems to take, it could take years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually within the first six months, <laughs> but, uh, I feel like, you know, it's that idea that they have to mask themselves to, to protect themselves from any sort of, you know, things that they've identified as, okay, well, this person that I'm dating would find this as a red flag. So I'm just not going to show it. Mm-hmm. But when you're kind of exposing yourself to somebody, uh, like not, not physically, but emotionally exposing yourself and your vulnerabilities to somebody, um, I've been in several relationships where people just took advantage of that, but mm. being in a relationship where you do that, you also could tell how much they actually care about your personal agency as a human being, because if they're not weaponizing it and they're actually taking it into account and how they're treating you, uh, it definitely brings you closer together and it makes mm-hmm. you feel more confident in coming up, you know, and saying, okay. I would like to try this. Are you okay with this? How do you feel about it? How does this affect us? And I feel yeah. like uh, that's that's a huge thing that's you know with me and my wife. Like she recently started coming out about a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, great, that's amazing. Um, I still don't know why 
I feel hesitant talking to her about certain things because almost every single time she's just like, that great. Okay, let's talk about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, why was I worried? <laughs> well, and I think it's because we still live, like even when we get to remove that mask in the lifestyle, we still live in a world where we have to wear so many masks, right? Yeah. We can't be completely fully honest. And so it's still, we kind of have this open relationship, but there's this hesitancy because we're taught our whole lives. Like there are certain things that you can't talk about. There are certain things that you can't say. And so being able to turn that on and back off is still really hard. It's it's yeah. difficult. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I, I definitely, I, I, I think that's also one thing that, um, you know, being bisexual, I'm open about it, but it's, it's still like, is this person okay with yeah. this? Um, although it's like a non-issue pretty much in every single, just about every single conversation you have and every single interaction you have with other people, it's still like at the back of your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when, when it comes to couples also, it's, it's very important to just being able to get to that lower level of this is who I am as a person. This is how I feel. Uh, these are my struggles. And I feel like, you know, uh, even in my marriage, when that's not taking place, things feel much more fragile and it, it's yeah. always something that you got to work on. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that, um, you know, congratulations on YouTube for, for Thank actually you. doing that because, you. uh, you know, I've, I've met lots and lots of couples and not all of them as we spoke about. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. there's definitely, and I think it's that's one of the things that we look for in couples. We look for couples that that from the outside, at least, you never know until you're you're actually yeah. you know having conversations with them and stuff. But from the outside, at least, seem really strong, have really clear communication, are so into each other. Like those are the things that are green flags for us in terms of looking for not just couples, but individual people as well. We want to make sure that there's stability within their primary relationship because we're not about the drama, <laughs> like save the drama yeah. for the stage. We don't want that. And we want to be able to cultivate a place of you know, conversation and communication and those sorts of things. It's really difficult if there is drama happening within their primary relationship. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a staple of ethical non-monogamy, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've had plenty of arguments with poly folks about this, uh, but the idea that, you know, uh, that ethical non-monogamy uh, excludes other forms of non, non, non-monogamy, if I could ever say it correctly, <laughs> uh, is just untrue. To me, it's always been, okay, you, yeah, ethics could be varied, right? From mm-hmm. person to person, but that's the point, right? You want to have that open line of communication, understanding, commitment, et cetera, uh, in order to find where everybody where everybody lands at their yeah. comfort zone. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things where I think that's the core of um, ethical monogamy, non-monogamy for me. You know, I always find it great to hear other people ha- feel that way, too, because mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a ton of work. Yeah. And I think that's where, I think that's where like, you know, the swinger, the community is like, eh, you're not really swingers at that point. I'm like, ah, well, I mean, not necessarily poly, right? I'm not looking for like somebody to like sleep in my bed with my wife and mm-hmm. me every night or, or something like that. I'm just, you know, looking for somebody that we go see a movie with. Yeah. 
I could just, you know, we, we could go and have fun. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. You know, just do something. And, uh, you know, it's, it's especially hard, uh, for, for buy males because for some reason, uh, a lot of more closeted than I am mm-hmm. males, uh, think that two guys going out to go see a movie together or get dinner or something like that is a problem. Yeah. Like, like which is so interesting to me. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, and, uh, I thought it was really funny that the couple that I'm mentoring also like nobody cares what you're talking about in public. Yeah. As long as you're not yelling it at the top of your lungs. Um, so, you know, it, yeah, you can meet with people in public as long as nobody's being inappropriate things. Are, yeah, exactly. Fine. And have conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's all down to conversations. So I'm going to just kind of uh, ape from your questions now. What do you see in the in ethical non-monogamy and the lifestyle uh, that you feel optimistic about that hasn't already been discussed? Oh, I think that hasn't already been discussed part is the difficult yeah, I one. <laughs> I, that in. I know, right? I think I see an opportunity for openness and I see more spaces that are more welcoming to all. Um, mm-hmm. So that feels really exciting and, and an opportunity that I hope will continue in terms of things. Yeah. What's one thing... And, you know, I, I keep throwing in what we, that we haven't discussed, but you know, what's, what's the one thing you'd like to see change overall with mm-hmm. inside the community that you find as a, as a constant, maybe not struggle, but thing that you see that is difficult for everyone. Yeah. So one of the things that you and I talked about offline that I don't think I've mentioned yet on the podcast is kind of one of the whys that the reason that I wanted to start this podcast was because Last year, my husband and I went to hedonism in Jamaica and uh, we had a fantastic time. Like it was a great place, had a great time. It was an awesome week. But uh, one of the nights we decided to go to the playroom and we literally went in and came right back out. (laughs) The reason was because a lot of the rules were kind of a little iffy in terms of consent. And we're we're very much you know, consent is sexy and clear consent is the most important kind of people. And you had to like, you had to be naked and you had to be playing the entire time you were in there. Like you couldn't just have conversation and meet people basically. And then the one that was just like, absolutely not was that you, that women were allowed to play with other women, but it said like, absolutely no guy on guy or man on man play. And I was like, the double standard in that is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's not something that I want to tolerate. It's not something that I want to feel like I'm, you know, being a part of by being in that room at all. So I think that that is the place that I see the most place for improvement, just normalizing bisexual men as much as we've normalized bisexual women um, in the lifestyle community. So that's the thing that I definitely want to see change. I see it in pockets and it kind of goes with like the the other question in terms of I see I see places where the community has opened up and been mm. a more welcoming place for all people and people who identify however they identify. And at the same time, there are still so many pockets of places where it's just so, you know, so black and white in terms of of how they treat bisexual women versus how they treat bisexual men. So 
Yeah. Well, I mean, hedonism, I, I think, is a is a odd example because in Jamaica, uh, homosexuality is a potential legal right. issue there. Yes. Um, so, but it, it's still like that in other clubs and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think it's it's there's a shift between like what I would consider like the old guard swingers and non-monogamous groups and new people coming in who are more like generally more accepting. Mm-hmm. They may not want to have anything to do with a bisexual male, but they're more accepting that they exist. Yes. And I think that there's this weird, uh, there, there, there's a rumor. Um, I'm not sure if it's substantiated or not. Uh, if they allowed bisexual men in uh, to clubs, then the club just tends to devolve into like essentially a gay club at that point okay. where it's just guys going in and then it, they get overrun. Um, and I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that was something that was told to me by an older gentleman mm-hmm. uh, that that's the fear, right? Where, you know, if, if that, I guess the, the social mask of <laughs> it's removed, that that's how things will end up. And <laughs> I'm not sure if that's exactly true, but I could see like, that may have been true. Yeah. Like, right. That that could have definitely have been true at some point in time. Uh, I just think that things are progressing where it may not be necessary anymore to, to kind of have those old rules in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but if everyone was just more accepting and just more like, okay, I'm not okay with that. And, you know, guys who, you know, are interested in that are like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to go find somebody else who is right. Um, if things were just like, like that, then that would be fine. Um, I, I think it's just something where, you know, and you're talking about at hedonism where there's very little rules around consent and stuff like that. That also presents a problem with what I just described, because if you don't have that communication, if you don't have that understanding uh, going into, you know, you know, you know, a situation where there's no consent leading up to it, then, you know, how are you going to how are you going to have any sort of order to, to what's going on? Exactly. And, uh, and to yeah. be fair, like consent was definitely a thing outside of that playroom. Right. So yeah. we didn't have any problems with consent, like in the rest of the resort and everything, we had a great time, yeah. but it just seemed that those rules opened everything up to interpretation. And what I felt like was, well, if you go in, you're consenting to anybody touching you anywhere and just anything, you know, like that, because there was no, there was nothing said about, you know, even though everybody is naked and everybody's expected to be playing at all times, like you still need to ask before you touch somebody that like, there was yeah. nothing about that part of it, which is what made me just like, mm, this isn't our, this isn't our place. Some people it is though. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, and I think that's just kind of the, I mean, it's a personal preference and mm-hmm. it's a, a thing that you, you know, I, I'm going to say I can respect that if that's what you want to do. But uh, again, it, it's something that if it kind of sends that message that that's the norm sometimes mm-hmm. I feel. And that's, that's where I think I find it difficult, at least for me to, to process, like, would I ever want to go into that room? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just not for me, um, and you know there are people who definitely that's for them, that's great. Mm-hmm. But I want to know that, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like if there is an entire party of of people who 
that is their that's their standard and that works for them that's great but it but you should be able to have the consent in the first place of saying like yes this is for me and i'm stepping into the space or no this is not for me and i'm not stepping into the space yeah mm-hmm. well I, and it's yeah and there's we're probably going to get into this in later episodes too um but you know the whole there's there's a there's an expected dynamic in the the swinger lifestyle at least uh, that I've seen or people expect out of me. And I, when I don't fit that it's, it's confusing mm. and it's uh yeah, I, I could definitely see how things are changing over time, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's been that standard. Yeah. Right? There's, there's definitely in the community, those people who toll gate or, or guard the gate yes. to access to certain aspects of the community there's definitely uh, rules in place. And then, but there's also an underlying issue where those rules are also not being followed mm-hmm. by a very large percentage of those people in the community. Yeah. Um, so it's it's always been interesting to me that there's a kind of like this double standard that's always there that if people just accepted it or just acknowledged that it's there uh, and communicated about it, it probably would start to fix quite a few of the yeah, issues that we talked about. And I'm not just talking about like by men or, or something else like that. There's, there's consent issues. There's mm-hmm. other issues like that. It, consent is probably the one thing that I think the swinger community does pretty darn well in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it goes downhill, it goes downhill fast. So yes. it's just like, <laughs> um, you really need to accept that not everybody's going to be down for the same things that you are. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, understandably, like you said, you tend to think that other people think like you, mm-hmm. but then you find out that they don't. And yeah. you're like, oh, wow. Okay. And me, on the other hand, I just, and in, as I've gotten older, just assume nobody thinks like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a problem. <laughs> so. But then at least if you, if you lead with that assumption, then you're using your words more, you know, instead of like, well, you know, I just thought, or I assumed, you you know, you, if you lead with the assumption of like, nobody thinks like me, then you have more clear communication because you're actually like opening your mouth and using your words and having the conversation instead of just assuming. Well, thank you for that because yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, and and like we said, you know, I'm, I'm basically self-taught in this. And then I'm like looking at things from or almost an outsider's perspective a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So that's also one reason I want to do this podcast, meet people and talk with them. And in the next episode, we're going to be chatting with a a couple yeah, and I'm get excited. their perspective on it. So I'm excited about that. And um, uh, thank you for doing this interview. Um, thank you. You know, I, I got to know you a bit better. Um, hopefully you, you, you've seen my side of things. And uh, hopefully I didn't talk too much during this episode, but (laughs) the idea here is, uh, you know, I think we have a consensus between us in terms of what ethical non-monogamy is, but I think it would be great to challenge those assumptions by communicating and, and chatting with guests on the show. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Thanks for listening. Make sure to head to swingonby.com for additional resources and to shop our online store of buy and E&M friendly merchandise. Your support of the shop helps us continue to produce this podcast. Also, please like, subscribe, and leave a review of the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, check out our guest inquiry form at swingonby.com forward slash guest. That's swingonby, by with an I, dot com forward slash G-U-E-S-T. 
Until next time.